Hey everybody, welcome to Signals from the Frontline, every Wednesday podcast brought to you by FrontlineGaming.org, where you can get your tabletop gaming goodies at a discount all the days of the week. I am your host, Roland Solo, today, uh, the one, the only, Mr. Rhesius Robinus, and here to talk to you about what's new and cool in the Games Workshop hobby, as well as some other games, and we'll get to that later. So let's dive in and talk about what's new and cool this week. Signals from the episode number, signals from the frontline episode number 673. All right, so GW is releasing the new goodies from the recent Eldar boxed set individually this weekend. Howling Banshees and Incubi, including Jane Czar and uh, Drezar. You'll be able to pick these up from Frontline Gaming at a discount. Uh, with free shipping options if you so choose, and you can do so starting at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time in, uh, in our web cart over at store.frontlinegaming.org. In Dawn Games Workshop news, Privateer Press has made some announcements with their new Kickstarter for the game Warcaster, which appears to essentially be the 40k version of War Machine. What I mean by that is, this is uh, War Machine in the future, the far future of the, the universe that their game takes place in. So it seems to have similar mechanics, similar types of units. Uh, you have Warjacks, yeah, and I believe they are called Warjacks, just as uh, in War Machine and to a lesser degree Hordes. Uh, you have Warcasters, same role. They uh, control either probably psionically instead of magically, or perhaps magically, uh, the Warjacks. And then you have units and solos, very similar to what we've seen in War Machine and Hordes. The difference so far, from what I can tell, is uh, there's pre-measuring. looks like there might be some sort of alternating unit uh, activation mechanic going on. And you can customize uh, your your jacks with hard points. Uh, These hard points allow you to add on weapons, uh, sensors, defensive mechanisms, things that give you special rules, manipulate your stats, etc. So that you can Mix it up, change what your jack does. I think it's a pretty cool mechanic and very interested to see uh, what comes of Warcaster. If you're curious to check it out, head on over to their Kickstarter, support it if you're interested. Don't if you're not. And we'll see what the far future of the War Machine universe looks like. So we've got a brand new FLG mat for you. It's called Volcanic Snow. And in the fine tradition of frontline gaming naming products, it is... Uh, pretty much does what it says on the tin. If you look at it, it is a, a volcanic area with snow on parts of it. It's a really cool-looking, uh, high-contrast mat. It's very neat. It would be perfect for any sort of a science fiction or fantasy game, but it could also work for a uh, historical or near-future game that's set in an exotic locale, You know, maybe like Iceland or something where you, you have a combination of fire and ice. In that way, uh, it comes in a wide variety of sizes, so you could you pick it up and use it for games like Star Wars Legion, 40K, 30K, Age of Sigmar. You could even use it for X-Wing. Uh, it'd be great for Malifaux, Infinity, uh, and the, the list goes on and on. So check that out, store.frontlinegaming.org. And that, again, is Volcanic Snow, brand new FLG mat. So we want to bring you an update on the current state of affairs for the ITC uh, 40K 2020 season missions. Uh, in the last week and a half, we've been going through a playtest process, an open beta. 
so to speak. We've been working on the missions, fine-tuning them, proposing ideas, uh, changing things up. And it's been a really interactive and fun process. Largely, I like to think, um, very effective at giving people what they want. So we're coming into the final revision of the missions, and I wanted to update everybody as to what those were looking like uh, so that you know what's changed. They're largely going to stay the way they've been over this uh, beta period, but due to the feedback of all the awesome TOs and players in the ITC community, which thank you very much, we super appreciate it. Uh, it's all been uh, read and listened to, maybe not all responded to due to a lack of time, but we have... Um, uh, we have absorbed all of it, and it's been a part of this process. So the changes we decided to make uh, based off popular feedback, debate, etc. The postman secondary mission will now also apply to Titanic characters to allow knight armies another viable choice for maneuver secondaries. The logic behind this was knights really struggle with maneuver secondaries. Um, they just don't have enough models and their units usually don't want to be next to each other in many circumstances. So it can be a challenge for them to pick up maneuver secondaries. And we don't want to punish any armies, uh, especially not any common armies, uh, in mission building or mission design, excuse me. Uh, even though the Knight Army is a very extreme army, meaning that uh, it takes one list design concept and takes it to the extreme, in this case, high toughness, high wound uh, models, uh, it's still a very common army and you don't want to have them feel put out. So we added that in, uh, or we are in the process of adding that in for them to give them another maneuver secondary that they can viably get. And again, you have to pick one maneuver secondary and one uh, search and destroy secondary, which involves destroying enemy units. Mark for death, according to popular uh, feedback, will go up to 120 plus point units count as viable choices for Mark for death. It was 100 plus point units. So that is going to uh, inch it up into a realm where many common minimum-sized troop units won't uh, trigger Mark for Death, which was the complaint that was coming up was, well, these are units I have to take if I want any CP, and they uh, give up Mark for Death points to my opponent. So we decided to bump it up a bit, just a bit, so that uh, a lot of those units are no longer viable choices for Mark for Death, and making it um, less of a gimme choice which a lot of uh, feedback a lot of players are giving us feedback felt that it was gangbusters will no longer apply to units with the vehicle or monster keyword uh, as those are all encompassed in big game hunter now uh, the way big big game hunter changes that applies to anything with the vehicle or monster keyword it used to have a limitation on the uh, number of wounds it was seven or more wounds uh, required to trigger a big game hunter point, but now since it's uh, one point for every 10 wounds, we decided to lift that limitation because if you kill multiple small vehicles or small monsters, you're just getting one point, whereas in the past you would have gotten two. That was felt to be unfair. So now that uh, we've in kind of cast a wider net with big game hunter, uh, unintentionally it was making gangbusters um, a little too appealing because you could overlap on to multiple iterations of the same unit. So... Long story short, gangbusters will now only apply, apply to multi-wound, multi-model units that are not infantry, vehicles, or monsters. So it's aimed specifically at things like Bulgren, Catafern robots, um, uh, not destroyers, obviously, as those are a true choice, but uh, units like that that are, or I believe those are the vehicle keywords, so I'll redact that, but we'll stick with Bulgren. Uh, it's it's uh, aimed at units like that, or uh, grotesques is another good example. 
that can be very difficult to kill. They take most of your army's attention, if not all of it. They can influence the course of the game on their own. Uh, very tough, very effective units. And of course, there will be units to get caught up in this net that weren't intended to. But to be real, a lot of the times those are units that weren't seeing the table anyway. However, if you can think of some really egregious examples that uh, shouldn't be included, uh, respond on this blog post. Let us know and we'll see if it uh, constitutes making a change before the deadline of the 28th this coming Friday. Uh, only really big change is that, uh, and it's not really that big of a change, it's more of a fine-tuning, but based on uh, popular feedback, the way that we're currently doing deployment with the missions, which is all or nothing, no Cs, um, if the defender the defender gets to roll for deployment map and may re-roll it if they choose, common perception is that um, it's still too disadvantageous to be the defender. I don't agree a lot of top players that I have spoken to as well think going second, being that a defender is better. Obviously, it's going to depend on your your army. It's going to depend on the mission and your opponent. But uh, many of the, the best players that I've chatted with all say that they choose to go second now all the time anyway. However, the common perception um, and the most overwhelming feedback has been the opposite of that, that people think it's still too good to be the attacker. I think time will prove that um, to be false, but... Hey, we'll find out eventually. So what we decided to do is go off, go with popular feedback, and we're changing it very slightly. If you choose to be the defender, meaning if you win the roll-off, choose to be the defender, it's business as usual. You roll for the map, and you can re-roll it if you choose. If you are chosen to be the defender, meaning you lose the roll, and your opponent chooses for you to be the defender, you may roll 2d6, re-rolling any doubles, and then choosing whichever map you want. So what's the logic here? It seems like a very minor change. It is pretty minor, but it's increasing the odds of the person who's being forced into the defender position, which means that their opponent is probably assuming that they can alpha strike you. Otherwise, they wouldn't uh, be opting to put you in the defender role and choosing to be the attacker is giving you an increased chance of getting a favorable deployment zone. It might be going a little too far, in my opinion, but only time will tell. We'll need to get some data, but we'll find out. Uh, but that was very positively received and uh, internally in the vote amongst ITCTOs, it wasn't even very close. Uh, it was massively in favor of this option to go with this. And then of course, the uh, slightly less advantageous if you're choosing to be the defender, if you're choosing to go second, it's not as good. And the reason why is if you've built an army to go second, I think as people get some experience with this, they'll see how good it is because you're getting influence over the map, right? So that means you can build your list, uh, assuming that you're probably going to get a, a map that you want or one close to the one you want. Uh, and the reason I say this is most of the time when people win the rolloff, they choose to go first. They choose to be the attacker. I think anybody, you know, when they stop and think about it, will realize that that is accurate. Most of the time when you win the roll-off, you choose to go first, right? And the data supports this. But if you build a list that you're choosing to go second, right, the odds of you getting what you want are extremely high because if the other person wins the roll, they're usually going to choose to go first. If you win the roll, you're usually going to choose to go second. That means most of your games, if not all of your games in a tournament, you're getting what you want. Think of the classic example is a Gene Sealer Colt army. They almost always want to go second, 
Right. And now a lot of people are aware of that and a lot of skilled players won't let them. Um, but even so, it still flies under the radar very frequently. So the idea is you don't want to make it too good to be a defender because if you have an army and a player that are good at being in the defender role, it shouldn't be too advantageous. And I know a lot of people are still stuck in the mindset of when the role go first every single time, right? Like, and that's what everyone's going to do. So they don't question it. It's just ingrained into the way they look at the game, which is understandable. But I think as we roll, as we roll through the season, if people get more and more repetitions with these missions, they'll start to see that if you have a good army for it, going second is giving you a huge advantage, right? Because not only do you have all the advantages we just discussed with choosing the map, etc., you're also going to have the benefit of being able to counter your opponent on the mission. You see exactly what objectives to hold. You see exactly how many units you have to kill. And there's a lot of secondaries that are better when you go second. Sappers is a great example. Uh, ground control, great example of a secondary that really favors the player going second. So we'll see how it pans out. That's my prediction. But for the time being, uh, we're going to go with what people want because they may be correct. And maybe uh, I and a few other group of uh, very good players are in the wrong on this one. But uh, only time and data will tell. All right, upcoming ITC events. And of course, if you like the ITC, you like what it's about, you think it's improved your hobby, made your community stronger, bigger, and better, consider supporting it financially, which you can do so via the ITC Patreon, the link for which is in the show notes, or you can just take a Google search and find it. And you can do so for as little as $1 a month. All of the money goes back into the ITC to pay for server fees, uh, to a lesser degree, labor, trophies, all the stuff that goes into making a, a global tournament organization function, which money is the fuel as much as we like to think it's passion. The passion will run out after a while. So we need to have that money to keep it all rolling. And to those of you who do subscribe and support, thank you. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash Spotify. Upcoming 40K ITC events this coming weekend, the end of February 2020. There is a ton of events going on all over the place and a ton of uh, RTTs all around the world per usual. And we do have one major, and that is the Newcastle upon Tyne. Or it's, I'm sorry, the Northeast Open 2020. And it's located in Newcastle upon Tyne in the UK. We have quite a few Age of Sigmar ITC events coming up in the March, in the month of March. So make sure to get out there and get your points. And they're all over the place. Wide selection of sizes and great looking events. Uh, support your local community. Get, get out there and play some games. 40k current ITC top 5. Vic VJ continuing to just assert himself early in the season. This uh, individual has literally played an event every weekend so far of the season. I'm going to jump in and take a look at uh, what he's been doing. He's been playing extremely well. 
uh, won the 40k brawl in the in the UK and uh, won the North Wales Open number three and uh, that was a, a RTT and then won another RTT the Warp Storm Warmer 40k ITC tournament got second at the Allies of Convenience GT and uh, fourth at an RTT so really kicking butt here Vic VJ uh, seems like a name we're going to be hearing a lot of and he only needs one more score to max out. Again, we did change it to six scores this season instead of five to make it a little bit more interesting. But well done so far with a big lead early season. In second place, we got Marcus Henson. Third, we have Ryan Snyder. Fourth, Mike Porter. Fifth, Ken Knox. Quite a few K, UK or quite a few UK players in that top five. Uh, it might be another invasion, similar to the Beatles, but not as uh, wealthy or musically inclined, but better at 40K, I'm willing to bet. 40K ITC Hobby Track, current top five. We got James Weston in first place, Ariel Cortez in second, Marshall Peterson in third, Rich Kilton tied for fourth with Colton Hatch. Well done. Current Age of Sigmar ITC Top 5 competitive track. Last year's winner, Jeremy Vessier, back in first place. Well done to Jeremy. Let's see what army he's playing. Is he playing his Fire Slayers? No, he has switched over to Oziark Bone Reapers. That's interesting. A lot of players have jumped onto that wagon. Uh, but last year he was winning with his Fire Slayers. Interesting choice. Second place, Matt Beasley. Third, Matthew Abbott. Fourth, Alex Gonzalez. Fifth, Matthew Jones. Current ITC AOS Hobby Track Top 5. Matthew Abbott leading the pack, also in the top five in the competitive track. Always cool to see a renaissance person like that. Uh, that's good at uh, all aspects of the hobby. Dan Sanchez in second. Brian Blickle in third. Ryan Burwell in fourth. Chris Doherty in fifth. Your current Warhammer Underworlds ITC top five. Chris Alvo, uh, excuse me, Avalos in first. Peter Rivera in second. Amon Curso in third. Victor Sosvronki in fourth. Rob Howard in fifth. Kill Team current top five. Maniel Melgizo in first. John Sow in second. Alberto Chaparro in third, Kyle Fierstad in fourth, Damien Poissonier in fifth. Awesome stuff. So we have quite a few completed commissions that we have put up on the show notes, or you can head over to flgpaintstudio.com. Consider us for your next commission. We're always taking new business. And of course, if you are a painter out there that wants to supplement your income or go full time, we're always accepting applications for new painters for the FLG Paint Studio. So check it out, flgpaintstudio.com, and uh, give us a look for your next uh, painting commission. If you're like me, you don't have a lot of time to paint minis anymore, despite the fact that I work full-time in the industry. Ironically, it is nice to pay a hard-working, a hard-working painter to get out there and get it done for you. Thank you so much for listening. A bit of a short episode this week because I am rolling solo. But next week, we'll be back to normal, talking about all kinds of gaming goody. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed episode 673 of Signals from the Frontline, and happy gaming. 